0: Hey everyone, welcome to this week's bonus experience. This time we're doing something a little bit different. This episode is going to come to you live from Metatopia a little while ago, where I live interviewed one of my bosses at the Onyx Path, Danielle Lozon. The conversation is great. We talk about design and all kinds of stuff, including art design. So that's a little something different from our usual fare. Please enjoy.
1: Hello, and welcome to Bonus Experience, a podcast with a deeper look at the play experience and the finer details of running and writing games. I'm Ray. Monica would normally go before me, but she's at Metatopia, and she actually found a new co-host while she was there, and I'm not jealous at all. So please listen to these women speak with authority about games, and be aware that they might swear, and also that you should die mad about it.
2: Tell our audience who you are. Uh, Hi, I'm Danielle Lozon. I am a game designer, developer, writer, freelance, uh, mostly. Um, I've worked on, so I'm the line developer for Requiem. I'm the, was the line developer for 7th Sea, but uh, I've worked on a bunch of 7th Sea books, a bunch of Requiem books. I also do lots of freelance work for other Chronicles of Darkness lines. I've done some World of Darkness lines. I've worked for people outside of Onyx Path. And John Wick Presents. I'm working on some stuff for Magpie. I've worked with Growling Door. I've worked with Third Eye Games. Um, (laughs) I know it sounds impressive, but I don't feel like I do a whole lot. That's
0: an awful lot. (laughs) I mean, I guess. What was it you like if I stood my resume up, it would be longer than your CVS receipt? Yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we're also friends. Yay! Yeah, I
0: worked for Danielle, which is fantastic. Yeah, um, We actually met in person for the first time last year. At Metatopia. At Metatopia. Yeah. We had a, an adorable meet cute. Yeah, we did. Where Neil was like, this is Danielle, and I had a mouthful of M&Ms. And oh, I was yeah, like, that was <laughs> great.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I was like, hey, you seem cool. And then we talked about wargaming for like three hours, yeah. standing up, hurt yep. my feet. Hurt
0: my feet. <laughs> we were drinking. I had a lot to say. I still have a lot to say. Yeah. 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 Yeah, last night we were up until 2 o'clock in the morning, literally yelling at each other in the dark because we turn the lights off to go to bed. She's rooming with me. Uh, and we're like, mechanics! Until like 2 o'clock in the morning.
2: I we mean, do talk about other things, but you know.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of that. <laughs> but that's a great thing for us to be talking about since my podcast is a writing design show. Yeah. And our goals here at... Metatopia are to help people design their games better.
2: I, I was kind of enamored with the process and I wanted to help other people design things. I really like thinking about the design process and thinking about problems. Um, it's one of the things that I've actually like kind of become known for in the industry uh, at least among a select few people is that if you're running into problems with your game you're just like I've got it written but like there's a mechanics issue that needs to be solved or there's this the book just needs to get over the finish line but I don't have time to do it or I'm hitting a brick wall on doing it and I just kind of swoop in and fix everything and then get it ready for production and I mean I can't tell you how many books I've actually done that on but it's more than two
0: (laughs) Someone like sounds the horn of Danielle and yes. you come descending down in and yes. are, like, <laughs> wave your magic wand upon it and ding. Yes, it's that easy, right? Right. Yes. That's
2: exactly how it works. Um, somebody says, hey, Danielle, I can't finish this book because I don't know what's wrong with it. And I read it over once and say, well, this is what your problem is, you you, bu- you Dingus. Yeah, you dingus. <laughs> and if you just did it right the first time, I wouldn't be here. Of course, I don't ever say those things to people because then I would never get hired again.
0: Let's talk about that process a little bit more. Um, yep. what do you like the most I think about helping someone fix their game? What about it lights up the pleasure centers of your brain?
2: So um, so I really think that it is so much akin to puzzle solving uh-huh. uh, I really enjoy like logic puzzles. you know you know those uh, things that you used to get in middle school where it's like, these, like, sentences, if if Sally's wearing a green coat, then, you know, Sally wears a green coat all the time, and Chuck Chuck's coat is not brown, and, you know, Jonathan has a hat, and then you've got, like, an intersection of, like, what their color coat is, and, like, what their accessory is, and you've got to figure out who's wearing what. Uh, like, those are my jam. <laughs> <laughs> and the more complicated they are, the better they are, and it feels a lot like... To, to me when I look at somebody's already in progress system like one of those logic puzzles right this thing is not completed but there is some information here already and how do I get from these statements of truths to solving the puzzle and a lot of times when people bring things to me they're mostly complete especially like sometimes here at Metatopia we get like alpha things or we get um you know focus groups where there's you know, here's my beginnings. Here's what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really fleshed out things. And even that people have more information inside them when they are thinking and speaking about what they want to do for a game than they realize they do. And sometimes when you hear just the little bits of pieces of what they're thinking, being an outside person who hasn't been like dwelling on it for the past 12 months or however long they've been working on this brainchild of theirs, it's almost laughably easy to be like, well, here's your problem, right? Right, And yeah. not because they're dumb or they're unintelligent in any way, but because they're too close to the problem to see that the problem is actually simpler than they thought it was. And so I think solving the puzzle of how do we make this work? How do we make it flow? How do, how do you find those last couple of puzzle pieces to make this thing really shine or really sing is really exciting to me. And I really like engaging in that kind of thinking process.
0: I think I am the same without the logic puzzle part. (laughs) (laughs) I have a whole book of them. I like a
2: puzzle, but a different kind of puzzle. I mean, I like all puzzles. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like game design... Game
0: design is an open... Like, one of the things I think I like about game design is that when someone goes, I have this mechanic that I'm still working out. Like, my favorite thing is actually when someone is still working it out. And they're like, does it work this way? Like, should I have these two pools of dice and compare them? Or should it work this way, where I add one die to this pool and it changes the result? or And, like, I like to... I guess it's more science for me, where I'm like, okay, we'll run both experiments, do a control, tell me which results which result works out. There's been a couple cases where, like, even when we were working on Scion, Neil was like, I like it this way, I, I want, but I also like it this way, and there's also this way. Which one do I take? And I'm like, we'll try all of them and tell me which one works the best. Um, and I like to fiddle, too. We also had... All right, that was part of our yelling about mechanics last night, where <laughs> you were like, this is a dumb idea. And I was like, well, no, sometimes you have to fiddle. You have to make the shape. You have to play with it until you realize that you're trying to cram a square peg into a round hole and that you really should go get...
2: Yeah, I think around a uh, square peg. And I think the difference there for me, it, the the difference between you and me in that situation is that this has always been true for me, and it's not true for everybody. Is that i've I've always been uh, really good at math, but like poor on math scores, and like in grade school mm-hmm. where they want you to show your work. Right. And my problem is is that I can look at a problem and know the answer and not know how I got there. Like, I can literally do that. Like, that is how my brain works. I could not tell you how I know the answer to this problem. I'm usually right. But if I had to walk you through my brain's process of going from this is the issue that you presented to me and me saying, like, this is what's going to work. And you're like, well, why? And I'm like, well, don't ask me why. I just know that this is what's going to work. and. I don't know if it's just because my brain does a lot of subconscious, like, processing. Mm -hmm. I do process a lot of the things I think about subconsciously, especially when I'm thinking about a design problem for myself. I will think of it, and then I'll, like, sit on it for three or four days, and then I'll go do it, and then I have something. And I never once thought about it consciously. And so there is this element of sometimes I already know that's not going to work. And so experimenting with it feels a little pointless to me because, well, I mean, I already know that's not going to work. So why would I even play with it? So the fiddling aspects, I mean, I recognize that some people enjoy doing it, even if they think it might not work, right, right? is to see why not. That's a, that's sometimes that's good answers. Why didn't this work?
0: work? And sometimes in, I guess that is a little bit like a science approach to it because sometimes you do know that the outcome may not be the best outcome. Right. And sometimes you know that the outcome, like I don't know that I've ever tried something that I knew wouldn't work, but that may not work as well as I want it to because I want to see how badly it'll go or like whether or not there's a nugget of something else in there that can become something else better. And if I fuck around with it, I might it might create something more fruitful. Like, maybe the, the two pools and compare them doesn't work, but I realize that the idea of choosing between two different successes is a really interesting result, and I can use that for something else, even if it's not for this game.
2: Right. I think also in that case of this may not work or this may fail, and I don't know how or why, uh, but I'm going to try it out to see, is sometimes while watching something fail, mm-hmm. you recognize a... Answer to a question, maybe you didn't even know you had in some other aspect right. that this thing is now answering for you. I mean, there's definitely some, you know, there's all sorts of benefit to playing with things, and that's why we play test. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, what do you bring to the play test table?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and at the time of what do you bring to the play test table, the questions are sometimes, is your mechanic working and you're trying to perfect it or is your mechanic completely theoretical and you've just never seen it in action before right and you know if it's completely theoretical and you've never seen it in action before sometimes it's okay in my mind to say i don't think it will work at all Mm -hmm. so let's just move on to something else to test before we waste a bunch of time testing something that's probably never going to work um but again that's there's value in both. Right. And sometimes I I generate
0: an idea that then I reject. Like, yes. I sit on it for a minute, oh, yeah. I write it down, and then I'm like, eh.
2: Oh, I mean, that's oh, so the we, brainstorming So, process. yeah, I'll throw this
0: out here for an example for our audience. Um, as part of our long yelling about mechanics of the dark discussion last night, uh, she challenged me to write a fate magic system that did not... Wasn't just create stunts that are spells. Yeah. And I went one hand behind the back. I will use no stunts at all. Right. Um, And I did, in fact, generate a system that met to your satisfaction by the end of the day. Um, But I want you to know that one of the first iterations of the idea of trained in a spell style let you hard die one of your fake dice. And I went, well, Mm. that's interesting, but it's not any better than a plus one. Right. In fact, it's. Not, it's, even, not worse, but.
2: Well, it is because. Then you, you roll the
0: other three die. You only
2: roll three die, and so you could negate that pl- plus. Boat, but, that yeah, plus. right. You could negate the plus. And then I was like, well, what if you had a fifth die that you just said as a
0: thing? And that's the thing. I was like, literally, that is just a plus one. There is no value difference between the yep. two, and I rejected it. Like, it's, it's. Yep. I can show you the note sheet where that is crossed <laughs> off physically on the sheet. So, like. You know, not everything that comes out of my brain first is gold. Um, And you've certainly seen plenty of my first (laughs) drafts.
2: No, I mean, there's definitely, uh, there's also something about working in an established system and making rules tweaks to that Mm -hmm. versus creating a brand new system Oh my God, creating
0: a a system from whole cloth is really hard.
2: It's really hard, and that is where you're going to get more of these. I have an idea, and I'm going to definitely play with it. Because I don't know whether or not it's going to work until I play with it. When you're working in an already established system, like Fate or Story Path or with Power by the Apocalypse, anything else that, you know, is open and people like to play with a lot, there's already some really well-established systems in these pretty solid game systems. And so when you're making a hack or tweaking those game systems, you you know, you don't need to reinvent the wheel, mm. right? And so it's really easy to tell, not that's not going to work, one, because you're reinventing the wheel and you don't need to, and two, it doesn't fit within the system that's already established. And sometimes it's cool to, like, break that system for your game. Right. right? And sometimes that's a really neat thing to do. Yeah. It's unique. But sometimes it just <laughs> breaks, the it breaks Sometimes it just breaks. Yeah. Sometimes it just breaks.
0: Um, and, like, I'm not a math person. Uh, I actually think I have a case of some pretty significant undiagnosed dyscalculia. I flip sixes and nines. Oh, yeah, that's serious. Yeah, um, I flip sixes and nines. Um, I will occasionally read a number sequence and read it in the wrong order. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the other weird things that can be a symptom of it is misjudging corners and walking into walls, which I do. Uh. Like, because you, like, your brain doesn't process angles.
2: Oh. Uh, interesting. So,
0: like, judging distance. I know some people who can visually judge distance. Um, and I cannot visually judge distance. I'm just guessing. Uh, oh, no. Nice. Like, I have a very good friend who is a mathematician. Um, she's a statistician. She's really fucking smart. Uh, she's really, really good at math. Uh, she is a monster to play mini golf with. I bet. <laughs> um, and I cannot play mini golf to save my life because she can see distance Right, her brain, and my brain goes, elephant! <laughs> uh, and, you know, so I play miniatures games, and I write for RPGs. <laughs> Excellent. yeah, Excellent, yeah. I mean, I That's have an English good. degree, for fuck's sake. But, I'm very good at following direction, and memorizing things I've taught. So if someone goes, here's the formula for figuring out a dice pool curve, I can put the numbers in and put it in my calculator and be correct. right? Or, like, if it's something pretty basic, like, um... Chronicles of Darkness is three dice equals one success roughly, then I'm like, okay, well, I know how to balance from there. Mm-hmm. I know how that's going to work out. That is basic math I can do. Right. Um, I can go forward just fine. Don't ask me to go backwards. Um, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> subtraction, division, fuck it. So if anything that you see coming out of me will only go up, mm-hmm. like, yeah. <laughs> only go up and only go up in an easy manner. There will be no division unless it is by two, and those numbers are even. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like, your brain probably just processes all that shit without having to chew on it because it's doesn't is not bogged down by no by a lack
2: of understanding. Yeah too. but, I, I you know, it's always been an issue actually. Like it sounds like a whoa, you can you can solve problems without having to think about it, except for the fact that when I try to present solutions to anyone else, <laughs> anyone. They that cannot follow my logic because I cannot explain it to them, they immediately reject my solution. And it's hard, not because I'm like, man, everybody, like, I'm right. Nobody listens to me. No, it's instead, it's like, I would love to be able to explain to you why I think this is right, Mm -hmm. but I cannot, like, I cannot stand here and defend my decision because I just don't know why I'm making it. (laughs) Right? Like, and that sounds so illogical that I don't, blame people for rejecting that idea. Like, so you just made this up off the fly. Yes. And you really think it's going to work. Yes. Why? Because I trust myself. <laughs> but like, okay, but like, this is important. Right. And I don't want to go off your gut feeling. And I'm like, but I, I mean, it's more than a gut feeling, but I like, that's all I can. My, I don't know what my brain did. I literally don't know the logical leaps that I took to get to how I came to this conclusion. Mm-hmm. I just said some things, uh, which is why, you know, jo- Neil and I joke a lot where I'll, I'll have told him a thing he should have done, especially like on Scion. We did a lot of conversations back and forth about story path and how to do story path and how to make story path work. Mm-hmm. And I would say, we should do it this way. And Neil would be like, what? No, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, we should do it this way. And he's like, yeah, no, no. he would reject the idea. And then like, 2 months later he would do play testing and play testing and play testing and it turns out that the thing i suggested way back like months before is actually like the best solution to a play test problem that he couldn't he could not foresee and i did not logically or in, intuitively see as a play test problem
1: mm-hmm.
2: i didn't know that that would be a problem but my solution was the the best solution he could come up with and he'd be like Daniel, you were right. And I'm like, well, you should just trust me like I trust me. (laughs) (laughs) What's worse is when I'm wrong. Right. (laughs) Because I'm still wrong sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: unfortunately, that happens. (laughs) I pass math because I'm good at showing my work. Yeah, see? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Usually, I can tell you uh, exactly the steps from which I derived my answer, and why you should listen to me, which is maybe the English thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's very rarely a case where you're like, hey, why did you write this the way you did, where I can... where my answer is, hmm. Yeah, I
2: mean... <laughs> Like, I have this problem with my husband a lot, and I, I'm pretty sure that my husband is a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, he's I not, mean like, mine
0: is too, just, despite all bumbliness to the contrary. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, I, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that my husband is a, is a like, grade A genius. Okay. And um, the point is, is that we will have a conversation, and he'll be talking, and I'll be like, he'll be like presenting, like, a thing he's thinking about in an issue, and he'll, like, not even finish whatever he's talking about, and I'm like, oh, we should do this! And he's just like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I hadn't even gotten there yet, and you've presented this, like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and that's horrifying to him. Like, what do you mean you don't know? Like, <laughs> I need you to make a matrix and a proof to explain <laughs> to me why this will work, because otherwise I reject your logic, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's that's real. <laughs> so, Totally understandable. I'm right, though. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, like, 90% of the time I'm right, but that 10%, man. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: I have the same problem where, like, 90% of the time I'm right, but that 10%, I'm, when I'm wrong, I'm really wrong. Oh, God,
2: yeah. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, I'm, I'm I'm dumb enough to be like, but I'm always right. Yeah, you should you should just always listen to me. <laughs> Trust in that 90%. Yeah,
0: it's only 10% take of the time. Those odds take, take those odds that I won't
2: be, like, Majestically
0: wrong. Right. Yeah. I mean, if we're wrong, we're gonna be real wrong. But you should. Most the time, not. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You've done it. You've made it. We're at the middle of the episode. This is the mid episode break. I hope you're enjoying this episode with Monica and her new co-host Danielle. Kind of wish I could be there. But right never gets to go. Obviously, we're talking about fixing games, what are broken. But the next half is going to be all about LARPing, which Monica and I don't have a whole lot of experience with. So hearing Daniel talk about it is cool as hell. And reminding me that LARPs are fun and not just something that young 20-somethings do for extra drama. Instead of just joining a theater troupe like regular nerds. Hey, we're still looking for war stories. If you've got something funny or terrible or something that would be entertaining as read on a podcast, please email us and share said terrible slash funny thing that happened to you at the table. We are collecting them for a future War Stories episode, which you guys seem to really like. I didn't know it was such a rich vein of comedy to just talk about shit other nerds have done that you've never met before. Don't forget, we like reviews a lot. (laughs) If you like listening to us, we like reading about how much you like listening to us. You can leave a review for us on iTunes. I think you can do it on Google Play. I'm... And if you mention us on Twitter, then I'll actually like say your name on the podcast. Much like how She's a Super Geek was talking about how cool we are, and I saw that. Now I'm talking about him. And then Mimi on Twitter also talked about how cool we are, which is great. I love seeing people say how cool I am. If reviews aren't your thing, or even if reviews are your thing, leave a review or don't. But also consider buying us a coffee. If you go to our coffee page, co com slash bonus exp, you can buy us a coffee, which is donating like a dollar or three. And that goes straight into our server costs and keeping our website beautiful and ad free. As you can probably tell, I have recovered from my bronchitis. Thank you for all of your hopes and prayers, prayers and thoughts, wishes and dreams. But in the meantime, we still have a couple of episodes to go through that Monica kindly recorded for me while I was barely able to breathe. So you can look forward to Monica and pod husband Henry, her second new co-host, talk about, I don't know, what it's like to be married to Monica, I guess? I'm told that it's a sonic nightmare, and from what Margaret has warned me of, considering all the garbage she has to cut when Henry happens to be in the room. I'm sure there's... Uh, it, you know what? Uh, it'll be fine. That's it. That's the end of the mid-episode break. Let's keep going. Let's hear about live-action roleplay. Or as the nerdy nerds call it, LARPing.
0: Let's talk about LARP, which is a thing I don't do.
2: LARP. Cool. So LARP design is a little different from uh, tabletop mechanics design in that you're not designing a system um, so much as you are designing an experience for people to engage in.
1: Okay. Uh,
2: The reason that I say this is because a lot of LARPs have mechanics, Mm -hmm. but those mechanics when I'll talk a lot about design theory, about how mechanics should inform play.
0: Right. And mechanics
2: I would like to put out there do not
0: mean rolling a die, rolling a die. They mean rules. Rules, yes. And so, like, I actually want to do a BXP show later on with Ray about, like, rules.
2: All, all rules are mechanics. All rules are mechanics, yeah. yes. Even
0: if that rule is, like, you can't say the word pants.
2: Yep, that's, that's a mechanic. mechanic. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. So. so, right, back to that. So, <laughs> so the rules of a LARP, uh, the mechanics of a LARP, some of those can be uh, r- rules that are prescriptive, you can't you know you have to do this thing when X happens um, you know the example of that are LARPs that are like uh, you know there are world of darkness LARPs V Vamp- LARPs vampire LARPs where you know you have prescriptive rules that are I have this do- discipline I have a way of using my discipline on you. If I succeed on my random chance to use this discipline on you, you must act accordingly because I have used my discipline on you. There are some rules that are descriptive. So uh, you can't say the word pants in this game. Um, <laughs> or, you know, uh, Or and then there are some rules that just uh, help inform the experience. And so all the rules of alert need to address... How to play this game. Um, And when you're designing a LARP, again, uh, you're not just saying, like, how do I get a power to work? Because in a LARP, a power can work with a rule that is, Monica, I'm using my hypnotic gaze on you. Promise? If you acquiesce to this hypnotic gaze, you will... Uh, you will be enamored by me, and that's the rule. Is is that you can choose to accept, and maybe get a benefit because you did, mm-hmm. or you could reject. But I will get a benefit because you did. Okay. Right. Right. And that's a rule.
0: Okay. Right. That's right. That's a
2: rule. That's a rule. That's mm-hmm. how that works. Right. Um. But if that's if that's a rule and that's how that works, then um. You know, that rule that I just made up right now uh, does tell us something about the style of game it is. Right. Right? This is a game where I must have your consent to do a thing to you. Right. And not just I have to have your consent to do a thing to you, but it's a power dynamic. If you accept, you get a benefit. Right. If you reject, I get a benefit. Mm -hmm. So sometimes accepting is... To de- denial of service. Right. So I, d- I want to deny you a benefit mm-hmm. and also gain a benefit for myself. And sometimes rejecting is defensive. I just don't want to have to do this thing that you've asked me to do. I don't care that you're getting a benefit for it. Right. Um, and sometimes it is uh, – it, it's a I don't want to do this thing, but I don't want to give you a benefit. So now I have to compromise by accepting it, but at least I get a benefit right. in return. Right. So it is, you know, but what it's done is it's told me that this play is very, uh, it's very collaborative and it's got give and take attached to it. Mm -hmm. Where I have a rule that is, I'm going to use my hypnotic gaze on you. I am going to roll a die Mm -hmm. and you are going to roll a die. And if my number is higher than yours, it works. Right. And now you have to be enamored by me, Mm -hmm. right? And so what this is telling me is that this rule is, uh, it's more like a tabletop rule, Right. Where your powers just kind of work because they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also... Um, the game actively wants to remove some of your agency. Mm-hmm. Right? It's dangerous to be around powerful people because they could remove your agency from you in play. Now, removing somebody's agency in play isn't bad. Right. Right, It's not like, bad words. How dare you? Um, I, I talk a lot about player agency in LARPs because... A lot of play is driven by the players. Right. You can present them with situations. You can present them with ideas. You can present them with things. But most of the play is driven by the players. And that's true in a tabletop, but it is far more true in a LARP.
0: Right, because let's, that has something to do with the fact that LARPs have way more people.
2: They have more people. I mean, even a small person LARP, um, like, you know, I've run seven person LARPs. That's, but, that's one more person than I would normally be comfortable with running. For, I've also so. played in a fourteen person tabletop game. I mean, so that is know. too many people. <laughs> <laughs> right, it is. Um,
0: I have two, and it was terrible. Carry yeah. on. <laughs>
2: uh, but yeah, I mean, LARPs can have you know I've played in fifty person LARPs. I've played in three hundred person LARPs. Mm-hmm. I have played in LARPs with so many people that I didn't even know where the storyteller was, um, <laughs> at any given time. But the you know the the thing that you're looking at there is. One, your design has to scale because of those things. Um, And you need to tell people how to play the game with your mechanics in case you're not there to run it for them. Because that may happen. They may move to another room. They may go into a quiet corner. They may interact with each other. And they're going to. Because when you play a LARP, you're often playing a LARP to interact a little, you know, with the setting, with the story, but definitely with the people. Right. It's like being an actor on a stage and you've been given a small script mm-hmm. and maybe that script isn't hundred percent the thing you say, the thing they say, the thing you say, the thing they say, but it's a set of actions that you are probably going to be interested in taking in a situation that you're interested in taking. So when you design a LARP, you're often designing the whole experience. You're designing the rules of how to engage in the experience And you're designing how people create characters to engage with the experience. And then you're designing the experience itself. You don't just say, I mean, you can. You can just say, like, here's how to play the game. Go forth and create stories yourself. But when you do that, um, you've only created half of the LARP. And then the person who's running the LARP creates the rest of the LARP. Mm-hmm. Because you designing the experience is part of designing a LARP. And so anybody who's run, like, a Mind's Eye Theater game for Requiem uh, or Masquerade or any of those other game lines, anybody who's done One more by Night, anybody who's done any of these games that are, I bought a LARP book. It told me how to play the game. Um, but then I had to design a setting mm-hmm. and then an experience. I mean, those people are designing LARPs. hmm whether they realize it or not, <laughs> and those people may be surprised to hear that well, they have been designing. LARPs. If, there, if
0: you're listening, <laughs> surprise! You've been designing a LARP, right? I don't know if any Larpers listen to us. Maybe they do. I've never. We haven't done any LARP-focused shows, mostly because that's not a thing that either of us do. Yeah. And we're queer women talking with authority about games, just like yeah. going on right here. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little something because we're, we're we should wrap up pretty soon. So tell me a little something about the difference in the experience of playing a larp or and playing a tabletop game why would you i mean i know that they're they're not directly comparable but let's say why would you choose one one over the other
2: um which is not
0: a qualitative thing but yeah let's say i'm in the mood for whatever why would you choose one over the other
2: yeah i mean um So, I'm going to say some words that are not universally true.
0: Okay. Well, I'm Uh, asking you for your
2: opinion. Well, yeah, but I'm going to say some words that I know are not universally true, but are, like, generally true. Okay. Um, So, in general, uh, you play a LARP uh, to to fully get into a mindset of a character. Okay. Uh, In a tabletop, uh, it is not impossible Mm -hmm. to have an immersive experience. Right.
1: I've had several.
2: Uh, you can have some pretty immersive experience at tabletops, mm-hmm. but you cannot reach the level of immersion that you can in a LARP. And the reason is, is because m- most tabletop games have too many, sh- too much structure okay. attached to it. Right. That is designed to break you out of your character so that you can solve a role or... Uh, figure a thing out. And there's a lot of, even in the most story-driven games, Mm -hmm. GM-less games, there is a lot of what happens next. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Either the GM asking the players, what happens next? The players asking each other, what happens next? The players asking the GM, what happens next? (laughs) There is a lot of, at a tabletop game, of the question, what happens next? Right. And sometimes that, what happens next
0: is not necessarily being asked directly, but right. being discovered tacitly through the
2: result of roles. Right. It's being through either that somebody's asking you, well, what do you do? Right. Or I'm going to do this. What happens? Or, you know, things or like that. Like, yeah, I'm going
0: to make this role that might fail. Let's
2: see what happens. Right. Um, it, right. But even in like a diceless, GMless game, right. you're still have asking that question of what what, what next? comes next. Mm-hmm. In a LARP, you're almost never asking, What comes next? You are literally acting and reacting. Mm -hmm. And so I may, uh, I mean, you may wonder if like a plot thing, did we succeed because uh, we, you know, we were talking um, and then people went off in the back corner to decide if you, you know, if you, if, if they like what you said. But in general, you know, a LARP scenario that may be common to LARPs is I, a peon, am trying to convince you, a, a per- important person in power, mm. to do a thing for me. Mm. And even if uh, – I mean, some LARPs have rolling where you break your immersion to find out what happens – Because I may do that thing where I do my hypnotic gaze on you, and to know whether or not know how to proceed Mm -hmm. in that scene of I've used my hypnotic gaze on you. I may need to stop and negotiate with you, or I may need to make a roll to see if it worked. Right. Um, But that's not. I mean, and that's a little bit of asking what happens next, but it's actually asking how do I react to what you just did. Right. Um, And that may not sound very different, uh, but it is very different because. because even if my power works and I made a role and it says you have to do this thing, right. you are still the person who are who is interpreting how to do that thing. Mm-hmm. And so instead of me going, well, what's going to happen after I did this thing? I'm how are you going to react to that? Because I kind of know what's going to happen next. Right. Um, <laughs> because we're in this conversation. And I don't know necessarily if I'm going to be able to convince you to do a thing I want you to do, even though that's what I'm here for. Um, but we're in the moment. We are fully immersed in... I am convincing you, you're bulking, you have some maybe ideas in your head of what it will take to convince you, and I've got to figure those out during our conversation, or maybe I already know and I'm just waiting to pull them out to see how much you resist. But it's it's far more natural, like, having a conversation with someone, pretending to be someone else, while you're also pretending to be someone else. Right,
0: and I think some of that, because, I mean, you do stand, some yeah. of the time. I mean, obviously, if you can't, you can't. But, like, or, yeah, there's there's not usually a table between the two of us in right. this scenario that you've described. Right,
2: and depending on how immersive, some LARPs are more immersive than others. Right. Um, even the least immersive LARPs, though, have this element of acting out what, you, what, you're, doing. what you're doing. If yeah. I'm, you know, if I decide I'm going to punch you, I may, like, I may, like, rear back my arm and be like, I'm about to punch you, right. right? And then we'll make some rolls and we'll, you know, break that immersion and in some cases I may be like, I have a foam weapon and I just smack you with it <laughs> because I you deserve to be smacked and right. it just happens because I decided to bop you with my little foam weapon. <laughs> uh, and then you react to that the way you do because you just freaking hit me. Should be called a bopper instead. <laughs> a bopper Amazing. <laughs> Done. <Dung>. Changed. <laughs> With authority.
0: <laughs> right. So, like, being able to communicate that, like, with your whole person yep. instead of from the waist up. Yeah. Which I'm pretty good at communicating a character from the waist up. Um, yeah, you I have, are. I have a whole section of one of our episodes about NPCs talking about how to inhabit a character, like, right. with your body language. But I'm doing that. I don't stand up and act it out. Yep. I'm too old and tired for that. Yeah. Um And, like, that would also be a pain in the ass because I had to sit back down and roll or whatever. Sure. And, um, and, I
2: mean, that's definitely, like, I have been in tabletop games where my, uh, actually an Exalted game, where my storyteller would stand up and adopt a voice and get, like, get in my face and be like,
1: what are you doing
2: here? And, like, make me roll dice and be like, oh, la, 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 la. And, like, get in my face and, like adopt a mannerism and stalk around the room while doing npcs i mean i did
0: that when i was younger
2: yeah um he was also <laughs> mostly drunk but it was amazing right um and it can't like tabletop games can be very immersive oh, yeah. and larps can be not very immersive so when i say that larps are more immersive than tabletops a very bit broad, broad generalization yeah,
0: yeah. i think that there's a pretty it's an okay broad generalization because i think you have a little bit more element of that when you Standing yeah. and you're acting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, there's a full body thing, and you're you're not you're not hiding. I don't want to say hiding, but you're not behind a character sheet. Yep.
2: Yeah, your there's, character there's a sheet difference. is. Yeah, in in a lot of cases, I mean, in a lot of cases, most of the action in a LARP is you know your character sheet is tucked away, and you're not looking at it. Right. You're just being embodying that character. And it's only until, you know, say in like a a World of Darkness LARP, you get into combat or want to use a power that, that, that immersion breaks, you pull out the character sheets, and then it's like being at a tabletop. It really is. But then you put those sheets away and then you go back to role-playing. Mm-hmm. And so a four-hour tabletop, maybe a lot of the GM describing scenes, and then you you know, talking with the other players and looking at your character sheets, deciding what to do, a four hour LARP might be a lot of you talking to other players with like maybe an hour of that, looking at a character sheet, making rules, deciding what to do. Mm-hmm. So the difference there is, is dramatic in my opinion. Right. Um, and, you know, if you've never tried a LARP before, I recommend trying a LARP that is nothing like a tabletop. Okay. Um, and the reason I recommend that is because uh, you you don't come in with mechanics expectations. Right. When you play like the larpified version of World of Darkness, mm-hmm. and you're like Masquerade, and you're like, oh man, this is like this, but only different, and I don't like it. <laughs> this is right?
0: just vampire withstanding. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> like, oh
2: man, I could just be sitting around a table. This would be way more interesting. Um, instead, play something that is like completely uh you know the, something totally different like right. Jax's
0: um ghost court
2: yeah yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> uh do yeah do something that is so different from a tabletop that like it, it bears zero resemblance because mm-hmm. uh, then you're not gonna you're not gonna have all that baggage of like mechanics should work because <laughs> i know i do <laughs>
0: why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? Or if you have anything you want to plug, uh, you're not, I don't know what you're working on.
2: Oh man, I'm not working on a whole lot right now. I'm working on like things. So Guide to the Night, which I developed, just came out on Drive Through RPG as a PDF.
0: Hey, guess what? There will be a link to Buy Guide to the Night on our How to Give Us Money page with our affiliate code because I worked on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so Buy Guide to the Night.
2: Buy Guide to the Night. Uh, Spilled Blood, which is a night horrors book. Um, is finishing up development and so it should be out in the next six months or so that's usually about the process once it goes to editing um, I'm at Metatopia so I'm not developing it right now but you know when I get home I'm going to dive into it I'm also working on uh, Wicked Fate which is like a really weird complicated thing that's hard for me to describe but um, there is currently a Pathfinder supplement uh, put out by John Wick that is called um wicked fantasy that's literally just a bunch of the fantasy re- races reimagined in like this world called Estevere where orcs were like created by evil gods who wanted like made orcs specifically for the purpose of destroying all humans but then the orcs were like man we're tired of being bloodthirsty monsters so they went up in the mountains and killed their gods and drank their blood and then came back and were like, we're peaceful now. <laughs> fuck alone. <laughs> um, and and uh, like, it was really cool. And like, uh, halflings are called halfins, And they're these like, uh, really subservient, like race of, uh, like do-gooders who like, um, have like this, like kind of, Butler-esque ability where people just don't notice them, which makes them really good house servants and spies and assassins. Because they, um, and so they like adopt a family of humans and then they protect those humans from all their troubles, i.e. assassinating anyone who might do them harm, um, (laughs) and taking care of their problems. And they're pretty, they're pretty brave and heroic people. And it's like having a tiny mafia that lives with you. Yes. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, and then there, uh, there's a race of like playable kobolds that, um, are called the Kubachubisi who are... Uh, essentially they were kobolds before there were kobolds. Um, so they're like a little, like they look like lizard folk, but they have the, they've been hiding amongst humans. So they have like human, like disguises that they wear, like really cool magic that makes them look human. So it's not just two kobolds on top of each other. No. In a long coat. no. Right? And okay. they're, they're, they're tall, like humans are. Oh, okay. um, and they're, but they're, uh, they helped humans create their great cities. And so they have this cool city magic that lets them, like, essentially they're the movers and shakers behind the actual cities, and humans don't even know that they've been manipulated by these kobolds for all these years. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have cool city magic that lets them, like, create monuments that uh, give them special abilities, and they could like, teleport between the monuments, and they could teleport during parts of the city. They can also, like, weaponize the city against people and things like that with their crazy city magic. Anyway, so uh, we were making, uh, that that went to Kickstarter, like, billions of years ago. And by billions of years ago, I mean at least two or three. Um, and, <laughs> and,
0: Aeons and, in the
2: RPG world. Yes. One of the stretch goals of that was to make a fate version of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, just make a fate game. Just make, a, just make it into a fate game. <laughs> um, and so... That game is now, um, hopefully in the, its last final stretches of the Fate version of that game to make it to backers, hopefully in the next month or two. I'm not 100% sure on that. Like, don't quote me. because um, <laughs> the people at Magpie would be really upset if you did. Um, but it, uh, yeah. So that's one of those things actually that I, like, we're, we're having trouble getting this to its end. Do you mind coming in and like fixing it? I'm like, yeah, sure. I can do that. So, um. So, yeah, those are things to plug. You can find me nowhere. I have the smallest internet presence on the face of the planet. Okay. Um, my, my Twitter is at impernius. I-M-P-E-R-N-I-O-U-S. I never use it. <laughs> um, I'm also on Facebook as Danielle Lozon Harper. I may not accept a friend request, but I do read all messages. Um even if they're not from friends, so if you want to send me a message and be like I'm a fan, I'll be like cool. I'll totally friend you, fan. Um, hey, don't
0: be weird. Don't be weird in Danielle's DMs, listeners. It'll
2: I will mean, destroy you. I will destroy you. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, if you want to try it, <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm politely ex- discouraging you from doing so. Um, if you want to find me, you can find me at Zenith Sun on Twitter, um, which I also don't update, but I do retweet a lot of things. Um, you can follow the podcast at, um, BXPCast, wait, that's our website, BXPCast.com is our website. You can find us on Twitter at BonusExpCast on Twitter. And if you want to send us an email, uh, send us an email, um, we're still looking for war stories. If you've got a cool gaming story, something terrible or something awesome, we will accept both. Um, we're collecting them. We're going to do a big listener mail episode, so please tell us some cool stuff about your game. Um, we welcome your polite and engaged feedback. Uh, If you want to send Danielle weird stuff via me, uh, you can send it to bonusdxpcast at gmail.com. Do that. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks again for listening, uh, and we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Uh, Danielle, I guess we're going to go downstairs. I guess that's this version of Get Out. Yeah. Yeah. Just remember, change if you want to. Thanks for listening. Bonus Experience is written and produced by Monica and Ray. Our theme music is Reuse Noise with the Light by CDK and is used under the attribution, non-commercial, creative commons license. Our logo and art were designed by Nito Studios. Check her out on Instagram and Facebook. This podcast grants advantage to your next jamming role. We'll see you next time.